All right. We are live. Bonus episode. Mike Fada, Manitoba Harvest. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, I'm going to bring us back, I think, to uh, 1998. Does that year sound about right? That was the year that it was founded, yeah. What were you doing then? What was I doing? I was just in the middle of a uh, health transformation and uh, getting super passionate and geeking out about health. I like that. Now, was that more of like a fitness thing? Give us like a description. I know you had lost a lot of weight over, over time, especially early on. What, what were, you know, what was the first things that you were doing? Exercise or was it purely nutrition? Yeah, uh, well, that journey started in 1995. Uh, and it was a, like an episode of The Biggest Loser. Uh, started with, you know, weights in the gym and, and then diet and nutrition and, and really experimenting on kind of all things healthy lifestyle. Cool. And then did you find hemp? I mean, was that, that, that the piece of it that, that sort of got you into that mode of, okay, I think there's something here? Yeah, I want to. I tried the no fat diet. I don't know if you ever. I know you've been in fitness a long time. I don't know if the no fat ever crossed your path, but uh, I, I learned all about no fat and and uh, and started eating no fat and and was passionate about it. And then learned the hard way that the body needs fat. Uh, and so when I learned about essential fats, that's what led me to hemp and uh, led me to being you know starting the business. Uh, if it's that time again, uh, late '90s, was there regulation with hemp? Um, what did it look like? Uh, I know you're in, in Canada, but what, was it different than, let's say, here in the States? Yeah, it was the same. So, you know, marijuana, hemp, and marijuana and cannabis were all outlawed in North America in 1938. And so there was no hemp grown. Uh, and I had met the other two co-founders of Manitoba Harvest that had lobbied the government to legalize hemp in Canada. And, and right at about 96, 97, we thought that the laws were going to get passed. And indeed they did. So 1998 was the first year that Canada uh, legalized hemp since 1938 to be grown. And, and were they growing them like in fields? I mean, if somebody were, were watching this, right, and they had no idea what it sort of organically, no pun intended, looked like, did somebody just grab a plot of land and say, all right, we're going to start growing this here because we believe it'll be a, a category in food? Yeah, we, we grew the first commercial uh, crop, 100 acres, one farmer, very much like a um, flax seed or, or, uh, or, or a, a central fatty acid seed uh, oil crop. Uh, so yeah, outdoors on the prairies. And now there's tens of thousands of acres. So you drive by and you see flax or corn or wheat and hemp uh, all mixed in. Oh, that's interesting. See, I didn't know that was part of the story. So, so you guys are, are growing it. And did you have some sort of idea of, of how this was going to look and, and what the plan was going to evolve, let's say, in the iteration of a first product? We started with hemp oil. So we had one product uh, and we thought we'd grow the seed and press the oil, a cold pressed oil and, and market it very similar to flax oil. Uh, and hemp is maybe superior to flax because it, it offers more essential fatty acids. So that was just, that was it and everything else came from innovation and just trial and trial and error, I guess. Yeah. Very cool. I don't want this to be all about the business, um, but as you're, as you're growing it and, and specifically something in, in, in hemp, is there a little bit of a different vibe? I want to almost talk about that, like with regards to maybe the crew that you're with, right? Um, who you're building it with. Is it, is it look different than let's say maybe some of the stuff you've come across now being in the business, you know, for, for quite some time, what did that look like? You know, I, from 
I, um, so I, I guess I joined a bunch of hempsters and, uh, and then realized that even though I'm passionate about health and I was passionate about hemp, I saw it as more of a natural foods and a, and the general consumers would be interested in it. And so, you know, and I joke around that, you know, the only thing harder than selling hemp in 1998 was selling hemp with long hair. And, uh, uh, because it was a very, you know, it was the stereotypical counterculture, and 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 we tried to uh, shake that up by, um, you know, being being very professional with what we were offering uh, through education, and and really, you know, focusing on natural food stores um, and the health aspects of the uh, of the product. By what time, just as far as evolution of the business, and again, because I kind of want to get to the whole people aspect too, right? Your own health, I'm assuming, was was advancing, like, you know, it was becoming better. Um, by that time, it sounds like you were a few years in, even at, in, in 98, you were a few years into that evolution of finding, all right, exercise, foods, nutrition, that was how you were going to sort of, uh, you know, make your moves, right, progress forward. Um, but as far as the business and, and the people, let's just get into, let's say, 10 years later, did it, did it look different? I mean, was there something unique about what it is that you were doing? Well, yeah, everything we were doing was unique. You know, I think what it looked different, I was, you know, I never was formally educated. I dropped out of school when I was 13. So I, I didn't have a business degree or know what business looks like when you're successful in business. So it was really one step at a time. And, and if you would have asked me when I was 21, starting this business, what was success? I was like a million dollars is success, you know? And when we crossed a million dollars, I could tell you, I realized a million dollars isn't going to cut it for, for our business, the business that we were building because of the scale of agriculture and scale of manufacturing that we really needed to hit uh, to, to be a successful business. What do you think was the, as far as the timing, what was happening sort of around the world, specifically, I guess, in North America and, and here that, that created this success? There had to have been a time or something that was going on that, that just, you know, as we always say, right, success, you kind of need timing and luck and all those things. What, was there something specific that you can remember? You know, I, I saw that as a, a, a number of different paths, lifestyle and diet paths would lead you to hemp. And, and, and a number of those started back then, whether it was like allergen sensitivity, uh, whether it was, it was interest in fats and the realization no fat was was going out and the right fat was was coming in uh, the the the, uh, the vegetarian and 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 uh, and and maybe vegan plant based uh, lifestyle so all these different kind of diets that had people were interested in. they were super niche but they were starting then and 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 all that's happened over the last twenty years is those have all just uh, greatly advanced and 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 consumers are 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 living that in their normal everyday life. Do you have your own take on diets today? Um, even 10 years ago, but even for now, right? Like, do you subscribe, for instance, personally to any sort of diet or eating habit or nutrition habit? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I want, and my, uh, my, my dad's from Southern Italy, so I'm a Southern Italian. And so I, over after all the years of experimenting, I would say now I, I, I probably sit at home most with a, a Mediterranean diet. 85% uh, fruits and veggies, uh, most are all organic. And then, you know, some meat, some dairy, some grains, but that's all, um, those are all the nice to haves at the end. Uh, most of it is a, is a, pr a plant-based Mediterranean diet. I like that. Um, do you find yourself now, I know that um, we're, we're gonna sort of fast forward. You're, you're, you've gone into a couple other businesses that you're getting behind. 
Um, give us a description. You can even call them out. Give us some some info about those businesses so I have some context and and, and everyone else does. Sure. Yeah. Well, when I left Manitoba Harvest, um, I realized that all I wanted to do was still be involved in health and business, and uh, and I could do that by helping other founders uh, fulfill their mission. And so I have been involved in in a number of different investments, but I'm I'm uh, I'm active strategically at a, at a board level with uh, with Ohm uh, Mushrooms, which is uh, the one of the leaders in organic functional mushrooms based in in Carlsbad, California, uh, and also uh, Soul Cuisine, which is one of the the earliest uh, plant-based protein companies in Canada. So making, um, you know, meat analogs and plant-based uh, protein foods. And, and yeah, give us like, give us a couple of those products. I didn't notice that one. So is it, um, what, what, what are the, like the main ingredients in something like that? It's a, it's a, it's a range. So this, you know, Soul Cuisine has been in business for 25 years uh-huh. and started out as a organic tofu company uh, back in the, in the nineties and, uh, and then has advanced and makes a, a full assortment. Uh, but I'd say the, the positioning is, is gourmet plant-based. Um, and so, you, you know, maybe some of the traditional uh, we'd see from uh, uh, the meats, uh, burgers, dogs, balls, but uh, uh, being more innovative with some new plant-based proteins, whether that's chickpea or fava or, P and and uh, really listening to the customer because the customer has evolved a long t- a long way from organic tofu 25 years ago. In Canada, just so that I have perspective, is it is, is the same thing happening up there that it is in the states and is it at the same rate? I mean, you, you see what's happened with the with the plant based meats or plant based milks, for instance. Does do do Canadians gravitate and move towards those at, at the same speed? Or is it a little bit slower because a couple of the major players in that space are domestic here? Uh, and you know, I'm, my assumption is that the marketing dollars sort of get spent here first, and then it moves moves north. A, a little bit, I'd say generally the same though. Um, I, the um, I've, the the studies that I've seen is it, it, Canadians are are marginally uh, more interested in health than, than than the U.S. is just a little bit, and so if you look at very large scale natural and organic food companies, um, even though t- Canada is ten percent of the U.S. Canadian population, the the sales are usually a little bit higher, like twelve or fifteen percent of their overall uh, sales. Um, but but things, especially U.S. Uh, based companies, the product comes here um, second, you know, a little bit after the the market's established. But if you look at non dairy. Here it's about the same, about fifteen percent of the dairy category now, and and meat it's it's still still small, like in the U.S. Maybe like one or two percent of the overall meat category is plant based. What were you looking at as far as your own teams? We can talk about when you start investing into other brands and other founders, but even as you were growing your business, um, I'm assuming you're onboarding, you know, great team members, right? What is it that you believe? someone should have or what is it that you're looking for when bringing on somebody and now investing in other people or teams? Yeah, I think that honesty, integrity, and competence are, are the kind of three that jump to mind. Uh, you know, I'm a straight shooter and I'm a very transparent person and, and transparent business uh, minded person, um, meaning we have an open book accounting and, and we just share exactly what the uh, what what good is happening in the business and what and what bad is happening. So we want team members that uh, resonate with that. And then the competency, you got to be good at, at uh 
at, at what you're doing. I, I think about that a lot. I know you use some football analogy, you know, for hockey <laughs> here for sure. But you know, sports team, you you got, you got to be a professional at, at what you're doing, and and you got to be challenged by others of other great team members around you to get better. Uh, and so, you know, that competency is really really important. Whether you're in marketing or whether you're in operations or 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 you know, I always said the most important role in our team was the janitor. That's that's literally keeping all of our stuff clean so that we have the highest quality uh, food products going out to market. I really like that. Uh, and yeah, we could have done a sports analogy. We could have done like 25 of them. I, I, I have to stop myself every once in a while that I notice myself doing that. It's funny, like our FedEx guy just came in. We're like the most loved account of ever because the guy gets snacks every day. Our water guy, our male, our male person, um, people forget the small things. And I don't know if it's like we need to be reminded beyond the other stuff that we need to be reminded about just being good people out there. Um, it, it is those smaller things that make a really big difference. Um, but I, but I love the sports analogy. As far as um, what you see, let's kind of like break away from this. Like, what do you see going on out there today? Are, are you in tune with social media? Like, are you in tune with, you're, you're on LinkedIn, which, you know, that's how you and I connected. We'll do an off story on this later. Uh, but like it, on LinkedIn, do you do social media? Are you on Instagram or, or Facebook? Or, no, no, I'm not. Uh, um, I've never been on social. I've, I've had accounts only to track what businesses are doing on social. But, uh, you know, I am I've been highly focused in my life to um, focus on my outputs uh, instead of my inputs. And and we could talk about that because it happens on a daily basis before I get out of bed in the morning, but uh, I don't subject myself to to, to uh, news or social media or things that can uh, knock me off of my game, so to speak. And so I, you know, LinkedIn is newer for me and, and I like it because I can share some of my learnings with others and, 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 and really uh, network in the industry and meet other healthy minded people and entrepreneurs. Um, but I'm not on the gram or, uh, or, or any of the other uh, social media. That's a money shot. Uh, and he said, not on the gram. I really like that. So, so um, I like the comment about input output. Uh, I haven't heard that one yet. Um, and it's true. Uh, and again, I was just talking to somebody about that. It's like, we're, and there's a new movie out. I just posted about it. It's some really scary, scary stuff, but you, um, you seem balanced. Uh, even the little I know about you, I think that's a, that's a big piece to your puzzle. Well, yeah, let me unpack that for you a little bit more because it's really through just my own personal learning. Uh, and as an executive, I, I got I, I got myself into a place where before I got up in the morning, I'd grab my phone and see what email and what and what was on my calendar for the day and, and on the way to the washroom, get myself already like fired up. And I realized that, you know, taking inputs in, uh, for, especially first thing in the morning before I, I focused on my intention and what I wanted to put out in the world is very dangerous. It, it, it made it so that uh, it, it impacted what my performance was. And so I've learned and I take those moments uh, fresh in the morning out of bed to meditate and focus on the things that I want to output, the things I need to get done, what I want to happen to me, what have the way that I see the world before I tune into any inputs. Uh, I like that. Uh, you are literally the first person that's touched on something like that. Maybe it's because I haven't positioned it. And so I need to look at how I'm asking that question. Um, but I can almost with certainty say that uh, it would be a unique answer because most of who I do talk with, I believe are, um, are having are having inputs. Uh, and, and I'm even one, I'm lucky that I have 
um, removed a couple of those platforms over time um, because I could see, right, that it was affecting my outputs. And I'm with you, my output, it needs to be my North Star, right? Uh, you know, it, it has to be directly aligned with the why. Um, and if there are things that are shooting, you know, sort of shooting at it each day, the inputs, um, we need to address that. So that's a really great comment. Um, what do you see uh, over the next few years in our space, specific with what's transpired in, in March, right? Um, what do you see happening, let's say, over the next 24 months? What would you be telling those that you're investing in or that you're becoming part of the team with? Um, closer to the consumer is better. Uh, and so, you know, that, that looks like, and a lot of people talk direct to consumer. That's one way to do it, direct to consumer. But, you know, uh, any way that you can get closer to the consumer, even at retail, you know, click and collect and, and last mile delivery. Those are all pieces that those are all ways to get closer to the consumer. That's going to just continue to escalate. I can, I can see it. Uh, and I, I think that's over the next five, 10 years. Uh, and I would say, uh, you know, um, if you have the opportunity, be focus on the source. I think we're, we're more and more moving into a time where consumers want to know the source of especially food, but other products that they're eating or consuming. So being a, a middleman or, or being a, a, a me too and not having the, not, not owning the product. Um, I, I think consumers will continue to see through that and choose the brands or choose the companies that, that are actually delivering that and are the source. I like that. And I agree with you as far as um, the, the direct and, and, and the connection piece to it, right? Um, there are so many products on shelf and what we've noticed is, and that's why people talk about promotion, like you'd be the best at this again, because you, you've dealt with it. You know every piece to that puzzle as well, right? Because you've seen it all, you've experienced it all. And the, the question I get a lot, even just messages about, hey, how did you do this? Is that, uh, how do you drive the trial or how do you, you know if you're gonna have some success on shelf? Well, it's really whether the customer's coming back to you, right? If there's another product like you, which there will be, there's no doubt about it. The question is, are they going to go to the other product just because of price? Or did you connect with them in a way, emotionally connect with them in a way that will bring them back to you, even if you are a dollar more? Um, I think that that's a piece that people really need to hone in on. Yeah, I agree with that. I've always said it that... Um... I always wanted to be the highest quality. And, and so if, if, if we were the highest quality, other that were competing with us um, for the quality minded consumer would have to compete with that quality. Then I learned uh, over that time that, yeah, consumers are very interested in the story. So my weight loss story, the reason that the, my why of why I got into health, uh, our vertical integration and working right with farmer to deliver hemp parts right to the end consumer. People get really interested in that story and, they, and it becomes part of the story and they, and they choose us instead of another competitor that maybe isn't even as equal of quality for a better price. Um, but for me, it started with quality and, and I don't think you can go wrong if you're making the highest quality, uh, especially when it's a food product. I agree with you there as well. Um, yeah, you, you definitely are, um, are out the gate ahead of most others, in, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to quality. And if you can attach the why and communicate the why and have it be very, not only unique, real and honest, but I think you, you're, you know, you're ahead of a lot of others. 
Um, I like this. I, I, we could do this. We could wrap for hours if we really wanted to. Uh, Mike Fata, uh, I appreciate having you on. We're going to do a separate one on input-output. It'll be 20 minutes on input-output. Sounds good. I love input-output. I appreciate having you on, man. We'll talk soon. Peace, Mark. Peace.